Good morning, folks. I am Senior Pastor Chuck Blair. What a joy to have you joining us. And we have folks joining us literally from all over the world. So I want to welcome you to our online service here at New Church Live today. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate you joining us. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get started. And here's Angela with a few things we have coming up. Good morning, everyone. Hello, my name is Angela Cooper. For those who don't know me, my role here is plugging people in to the New Church Live community, and we've been busy planning our Easter series and all the things that go along with it, and I'm super excited about some of the things that we've been working on. Um, you probably saw it in some of the slides, and you've seen it on our website, but I just wanted to let you know. So we traditionally at New Church Live... Um, when we are meeting in person, people bring Easter flowers and we decorate the whole stage and they're just beautiful and they smell amazing. And we wanted to find a way to continue this tradition this year. Um, of course, we're not meeting in person, but we have decided to have two options for Easter flowers. I know there was a little bit of confusion, but it's really simple. So if you live locally or you know somebody who lives local to our church here in Bernathan, you can actually order Easter flowers um, they're $25 and we are delivering to a 10 mile radius of Bernathan, which is where we have church here on Sunday. Um, so if you know somebody who lives within 10 miles of Bernathan, you can order those flowers and we'll deliver them the week after Easter. We have a local, um, a woman who has her own floral business and we're supporting her and her, um, small business. So it's a great way to give back to somebody who has a small business and spread joy. Um, it's been a year since COVID. COVID shut the world down, and we just thought this was a great way to kind of spread some cheer, let people know you're thinking of them. So you can order flowers, like I said, to be delivered locally. Or the second option, we've been working with some parishioners who are out in Michigan, and they helped me find a woman's shelter that supports women who've gone through abuse, and it's it houses women and children, and they have 35 rooms, and they're at capacity. So what we want to do is deliver 35 floral arrangements to their um, shelter and to just, like I said, again, spread Easter cheer, let them know we're thinking about them. And, um, you know, we traditionally have taken the Easter flowers that are delivered here at church on Sunday for Easter Sunday and plant them at a local community um, organization. So this was a great way to continue that tradition um, to support a community service effort. And we feel very supportive of um, this organization organization out in Michigan, helping women get back on their feet after they're um, leaving abusive relationships. So it just felt like a great way to spread some cheer. All you have to do is put your information in the chat window, or you can fill out the contact form if you want me to um, send the link. It's just the regular donation link. Um, in both cases, it's $25, and the Easter flowers will be delivered the week after Easter. So super excited about that opportunity, um, like I said, to kind of continue the tradition and in a new way um, this Easter season. So I hope you're as excited as I am about it, and just thank you to the Michigan crew out there who helped get this all up and running. We're just so appreciative of that. The next thing I want to mention is that this Wednesday, I am starting a mom's group. I'm a mom of three young boys, and I wanted to have a place for women moms to come together and just support each other. This year, I mean, motherhood is hard on a good year, but this year has been tr exceptionally difficult. And so I just wanted to start this group. It's going to meet once a month 
for one hour and I know how busy we all are. It is incredible how fast the weeks go by and how fast the time flies. But I feel like we can find one hour a month um, if you're interested to join me in this mom's group. And really, it's just going to be a space to you know, laugh together and share some of the hard things together. And um, the first group, which means this Wednesday, the 24th at 7 p.m. on Zoom, um, we're going to be coming together and just kind of talking about what we want this to look like. Maybe we'll pick a book to read together. Maybe we'll find a TED Talk to watch together. And then we'll meet, you know, the next month to discuss that and just to just, like I said, laugh together and share the joys and hard parts of motherhood. So, any mom is invited. They don't have to attend New Church Live. So if you attend New Church Live and you want to bring a friend, um, you can come to the first one. I promise it will be fun and not scary. It's just me. And like I said, I'm a mom of three boys, so I get it. Um, anyway, if you want the information or the Zoom link, it is on our events page, but I'm happy to send it to you and um, get you the information if you need to know it. So I hope you'll reach out to me. I hope this is something that will be um, you know, like a joyful time and I'm excited to get it going. So thank you, everyone. Um, and Pastor Chuck's going to come out with some more invites. So a real quick invite here is, I love the way Angela said, you know, we have old traditions and new forms. You know, these things that have been always true that we so much enjoy. And, and how do we sort of cast it into a new era? One of those is this idea of pop-up church. And what we do with pop-up church is really simple. We're just going to do it over the next two Thursdays. It's from 7 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. I'm there for the preaching, Emily's there for the music, and families are there for the fun. That simple. It's a very short service. You can have dogs, cats, children climbing all over the place. It's really designed to be a low-stress service as a way to just, you know, join with your family and just start to get ready, start to get ready for Easter. And, it, and it's fun. Like, we, we see families joining us from, from, from Phoenix, from Seattle, from Florida, from all different kinds of places. And it's just a way for us to have a little community, a little short church service, getting ready for Easter. Now, our last announcement, as the musicians will come up, Angela has a last announcement around donations. Oh, I surprised Marcus. You didn't think you got away from me uh, that quickly, did you? Anyway, the last thing I want to mention is that we rely on the donations of you, our congregation, to support New Church Live and all the things that we do, reaching out to the community, having this service streamed live on Sunday, all the equipment, all the staff, everything is dependent on you for donations. And we hope you will consider continuing to support New Church Live. It's super easy to do it. All you have to do is text the word New Church Live all one word, all lowercase to 77977. Um, and you can make a donation or set up a reoccurring donation. And I just ask you to consider doing that. We're not passing buckets, obviously, because we're not meeting in person. But if you're viewing this either now or later throughout the week, um, your donation matters. And it really helps support this congregation and continues to allow us to thrive even in this virtual time. So um, you also can go to our website. You can make a donation that way. Um, and if you have any questions about anything I mentioned today or the donations, you can put your information in the chat window or fill out the contact form on our website. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Sunday. Beautiful. Thank you, Marcus. So a great big good morning to everyone and a, and a special hello, you know, to some 
very special folks who are out there watching today. Let's see if my computer works. There we go. Uh, you know, a big hello. Uh, Faith is watching with her mom, Kelsey. And I am so glad, Faith, that my little pokey beard reminds me of your grandpa. That's good. I think it reminds me of Santa Claus. So great. Great to have you folks joining us joining us today. And today we're, we're, we're going into Easter. We're continuing on. And, and so much of Easter is, is, is understanding it and seeing it as kind of this rich soil. And, and it's a rich soil in which life can be planted and life can begin anew. And as famously said, you know, we, we live in a world that so quickly wants to jump to Easter. I want to jump to Easter right away. The resurrection, the joy, the fun, the, the Easter bonnet, you know, uh, the white chocolate Easter bunnies, hint for those of you who are buying me Easter bunnies, you know, all that stuff. I want to jump right to that. But I think we're asked in this story to stay in this place as well as we move towards Easter, which is a place of challenge, which is a place of growth, which is a, which is a place of this rich, dark soil. It's got all the challenges and all the, all the things that are, are, are connected to that. Now, it's interesting, right? We're, we're roughly a year out from when this whole quarantine started. And, uh, you know, it's leafing through, through different newspaper articles. This was, was one from the New York Times. The week our reality broke. The week our reality broke. And I thought, boy, that's really good. And welcome to Easter. Easter itself, the Easter story, really comes down to a week, and it's a week where reality breaks. The reality of these people who had, who had been following Jesus, who had who thought of him as an earthly king, who believed they would give him earthly power, who believed they would free them from the Romans, and all these things. And here's Jesus going, well, there's a much bigger picture than just that. There's a deep spiritual freedom. That as Jesus would say, I yearn to give to humanity. There's a spiritual freedom that I yearn to give to humanity. Part of that, folks, is understanding as well, you know, this, this next slide, that, that we can either look at Easter one of two ways. We can look at it as sort of a set of, of theological statements, theological um, hypotheses or theories in, in which we prove or we don't prove. And, and I think it's something different. And I think this really comes out of a Christian new church perspective. It's not this list of, of different theological points per se, though there are some that are part of it, obviously. It's much more this. It's much more a landscape that we inhabit. It's much more a landscape that we inhabit. It's much more a walking through the woods and really this understanding, oh, God's here too. You know, for the kids at home who are watching, just, just again, I imagine all of us have had walks that are on bright sunny days and other days that were, you know, you're walking at night and maybe you're grabbing hold of your parents' hand just a little bit tighter. Easter's that walking in a place that can be a little scary sometimes and you're just holding onto that hand a little bit tighter. That's what this week is like and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we have to remember with all of that, there's really one point to it. And I love this, this beautiful line from Ezekiel. This is from the Old Testament, written thousands of years before the week of Easter we're going to be talking about. Beautiful line from Ezekiel 11. I will give them one heart, and I will create a new spirit within you. 
I, I, love, I love that line. Like, folks, look at that, right? Like, I will give them one heart. Like, what's that like if we really understand that we all share one heart? What's that like? That's a beautiful thought. And I love the way in Ezekiel where it moves from, from the plural to the singular. So, so here's God saying, I'm going to give all of you one heart. So you understand that deep connectedness that all of us share. And as well, I'm going to give each of you individually a new spirit within you. You could translate that as well, a new breath. A new way to breathe. A new way to be. Now, now that means, of course, with this rich, dark soil, that means, of course, that there are these, these challenges to it. We, do, we don't, like, just launch right to there. As, as the saying goes, you know, we don't, we don't pick the fruit on the same day we plant the tree. And it's true with all things. Like, like this is a season right now of planting, which means part of that's turning over the soil. Part of that is tilling it. Part of that's getting rid of rocks and all that other stuff. And... Yet, we have to see that as part of our story. It's, it's like, um, quick little aside, denial and despair. It's just like when, when we allow ourselves to go through the hard parts, we don't deny them. We don't say, oh, that's, that's nothing. We actually embrace them of sorts. That actually gets us closer to hope than denial does. Isn't that interesting, right? So, so I can hold things where I, where I deny the hard parts of life, but that actually doesn't move me any closer to hope. It actually moves me further away from it. But there's a way, and I'll come back to this at the end of the service, when we learn to name things accurately and go through that despair, go through what we're going to talk about today is the Garden of Gethsemane, which not, you may know all that, you may know that term, but I'm going to fill you in a little bit. When we allow ourselves to go through it, that will actually move us closer to hope which is kind of fascinating. So Juan Martel wrote this beautiful quote, and I think it's one that I've, I've used before in church, but it feels appropriate to use it again. And this is talking about going through that. This is Juan Martel. He said, the landscape, this is the landscape we inhabit. Doubt is useful for a while. We must all pass through the Garden of Gethsemane. If Christ played with doubt, so must we. If Christ spent an anguished night in prayer, which we're going to be talking about here, if he burst out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then surely we are also permitted down. And I love this next part. But we must move on. To choose doubt as a philosophy of life is akin to choosing immobility as a means of transportation. That's from the life of Pi. What a beautiful, <laughs> what a beautiful concept that is. It's not that we want to get mired in the darker and the harder parts of the story. We want to acknowledge them. We want to name them. We want to take a breath and say, God's here too. And we want to keep moving. We want to keep the story moving. And that's why Easter, I think, gives such a beautiful, beautiful pace. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane itself, well, the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what it looked like. You can see a picture. This is what it looks like. Today, it's just outside. You see in the background, those are the, those are the, the gates. Those are the gates out there of Jerusalem. You see the Temple Mount out there. This is a garden outside. So, so Jesus has sort of gone outside of the city gates. And, and he knows all this hard stuff is coming. 
For the kids out there, he knows Good Friday's coming, all the challenges of that, all the really hard stuff. It's like knowing that tomorrow is going to be a really hard day. And so what he does is he tries to have a moment where he sort of collects himself, he collects his thoughts, he prays, he connects with God, and God that was very much alive inside of him, and he connects as well with, with those people who were following him. And his story takes place at night. And I, I want to talk about this story. I want to read to you this story. It's a beautiful, beautiful story in many ways because, it's again, it's so much part of the, of the human experience and so much part, I think, of the landscape that we go through too. Like when you're looking at that Garden of Gethsemane, we all go through that. We may have never been there. And we all go through it. Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, which are James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And you said, place, like, right? Overwhelmed. Feeling like you just can't go on. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and, and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And what he means there is that I don't, I don't want to struggle like this. This might just be too hard. If there's any way we cannot have these challenges, and fill in the blank for the challenges, you know, if there's any way we cannot have it, could we not have it, please? And... Not my will, but yours. Not my holding of this, but your holding of this. I want to say that again. Not my holding of this, but just breathe here, folks. But your holding of this. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Again, that's the humor in the Bible. Like, of course they're sleeping because they're just like us. Could you men not keep watching me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. That's a great line there. And, and again, Jesus is not, you know, sort of punishing people for this. He's just, look, you know, that's the way our lives are. We, we're very willing. Our spirit is very, very willing, but our bodies are weak. He went away a second time and prayed. He prays almost the exact same thing. My father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away once more, prayed a third time, saying the same thing. So here's number three. Then he returned and said to them, are you still sleeping or resting? Look, the hour is near. The son of humanity is betrayed. Rise up, let's go. And that's a beautiful line there too. You know, that, that rise up and let's go. So, you know, the story, it's so many poignant parts. Like, here's a picture of Jesus. Here he is walking through this garden in the night, and, and he knows all these challenges are coming up. He's not pretending they're not. And it says again, this beautiful, beautiful line, overwhelmed with sorrow. Overwhelmed with sorrow. Other translations phrase it this way. Encompassed with grief. Encompassed with grief. We have all 
been there. We have all been there. Continues to just be a miracle to me, like to watch, you know, people's resilience around those things. And it was, it was, um, you know, we had a, a small group on Thursday night, wonderful small group. And, and as we're sharing, you know, just like I'm looking around like, yeah, we've all been there. Like, here's just this random group of people, beautiful souls. And all of us there in different ways have been encompassed with grief overwhelmed with sorrow at some point in our life. Like, it's just, that is just part of the journey. And again, so easy to say something must be wrong. That's not how the story's supposed to go. And I don't believe necessarily that God inflicts those things on us, but, but I think it's important to acknowledge that is how the story goes. That is how the story goes for all of us. That's, that's not a pessimistic way to see the world. I'm actually like, I, just being around people who walk through that, it leaves me incredibly optimistic, actually. Because remember, as I said, the journey goes on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The 23rd Psalm. We go through these times, and they're very real, and they are a bit scary, and we're sure they're never going to end. We're sure we will never find joy again. We're sure we'll never find connection again. And somehow, against all odds, we do, in ways that we can't even necessarily predict. Now, I want to focus for today... I'm going to talk about this a little bit, then the musicians are going to come out and do a song, and I'm going to talk about it again. This line, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. There's so many different angles to these stories. And what I want to talk about is, is I want to talk about what that cup is. What is that cup? What, is, what does that mean? What is he talking about? What's the connection there? Because I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in diving into what that means and understanding it in our own lives and understanding, you know, what all that carries. And it's, it's too easy to think of the cup, I think, as the cup is just struggle and suffering. Not necessarily. So when I come back after this beautiful middle song about when you believe, I want to talk about what that means and the, and the miracle we can find maybe when we learn to just understand more about that line, what that cup actually pictures. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. That's a beautiful song. Folks, let's, let's talk about that idea of, of, of the cup and, and what it all can mean. And, and I'm going to be moving to talk about it by, by actually looking at a couple of props. And, you know, as we look at this stuff, you know, a couple of things with, with, with the cup. Like, I, I, brought a, I brought a cup out that had particular meaning to me. This was given to me by, uh, by one of my kids who I coached in swimming back at Pocono Mountain High School many, many years ago. And, you know, I just brought it because it has meaning to me, not that it signifies the, the cup that we're talking about here, but just I want to start there. So text and context. 
there's text and there's context. In other words, there's, there's what's said and then, then how do we find the picture around it? How do we sort of paint the picture around this thing? In the context of this text, the text being the cup, what's the context around it? And I didn't realize this, still doing some research, you know, through, through, through new church theology, and, and, and it's, it's this connection back to the Passover, to the Passover Seder. Some of you, I'm sure, have participated in that. Now, Jewish tradition to this day, you know, still does, still does celebrate, celebrate every year the Passover. I used this at last year's church service. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tray for the Passover, for celebrating Passover. All the different parts of the meal are on it. And, and there's also traditionally a cup and a drinking of wine. Now, what's that all about? How's, how's that connected? Well, just picture this, folks. Picture Jesus walking along, and he's having this memory about this cup. This cup. What's that about? Well, this memory goes back just to a few short hours before. What he'd done, he had, he had collected those who followed him, his 12 disciples, the 12 people who were closest to him. His 12, if you're, if you're a young person watching us, his 12 buddies. And he says, like, he knows this really hard thing is coming. And he says, like, I have so wanted to celebrate this meal with you. And it's, it's like filled with joy. He's not like, I would like to celebrate. It's like, I want to celebrate this for you and with you. And part of that meal is, is sharing the different parts of the Passover meal. And part of it is sharing a cup that held wine in it. In the cup... The Jewish tradition, it's all about deliverance. It's all about deliverance. This was a traditional cup. Every reason to believe Jesus had that same cup with him. And it's not entirely crazy to think that he pulled it out. This moment, in this prayer. And he looked at that cup. And he thought about all that that cup contained. This memories going back with these people who had followed him. The tragic, the beautiful, the past, the present. He knew the hard future. He knew it was beyond that hard future. All those things, I think, were captured in that, in that one moment. That deep Joy. I, I, I love this picture, right, of Jesus. I love this picture of Jesus. Because, because it's, it's, it's that joy that we find there. That deep joy that, that we imagine Jesus having. Like, that's part of this. Because, folks, I really do believe this to my heart, which is that grief is the cost of love. Grief is the cost of love of love. If we're going to choose the good stuff of life, I want to be, and this is so important, if we are going to choose the good stuff of life, the very best parts of life, please take a breath right there. 
we're also going to have to choose the hard parts of life. If we're going to choose the very best parts of life, we're just going to have to choose the really hard parts of life too. And again, you could argue they get chosen, they get chosen for us. Grief is the cost of love. Now, what I would like to do is, 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 is to talk about what we can find in that moment. Like, like here's a moment where Jesus prays it three times. The people who we've brought along to, who's, he's brought along to support him or keep on falling asleep, which is, brings a smile right there. And, 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 and what we see is we see as, as he rises up and, and we, see, we see a shift here. And, and I want us to think at that moment, okay, so here's, here's arguably, you know, a really low moment in the story as he's praying. Here's a really low moment in the story because he, he's, he's seeing this cup like that he has to take on. And it's, it's a cup that, that has these great contradictions of life and this, and this, at this point in time, this deep sadness is part of it. And I just picture him being exhausted at that moment. Just being exhausted. Again, his experience at this level, mirroring our experience at a far more human level. And I'd love to hear from folks the answer to this question. What grace have you found at the bottom of exhaustion? When life has bottomed out for you, when you've just reached that grace of exhaustion, or as Anne Lamott would say, the sacrament of stuckness. I like that phrase too. The grace of exhaustion, the sacrament of stuckness. What have you found there? What have you found in that place? What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take 60 seconds and go ahead and please text in an answer. You can do one of two things. You can either put the answer in the chat, either the Facebook chat or the live stream chat or when we get the service posted, the Ustream chat, or as well, you could also text me at 215-740-3662. You can also text me at 215-740-3662. Answering this question, what grace have you found at the bottom of exhaustion? on in here, I want to talk just about this, you know, that, that we do find something there. There is a grace that we find at that state of exhaustion, right? And, and just a few answers, just to share a, a couple that are, that are coming in from folks. Uh, one person writes, the grace of patience. Beautiful. 
hope. Well, I was just, I'm just going to give it a second here. They're all like rolling it at a million miles per hour here. Surrender. Listen to this one. A new willingness to be led by God. Here's a beautiful one from someone who really knows. I've found life. Hope. The value of family being there every time to help pick me up. The willingness to be held in the love and support of others. The sweetness of surrender. That's beautiful. I've discovered the wisdom of my body and needing rest. I, I was so hoping somebody would put in sleep. I found the gift of just sleep. Even though I lost her in this world, this is beautiful, my dear friend. Even though I lost her, my wife, in this world, someday we'll be together again. A stronger realization that the Lord is always by my side. Wow. There's many other ones there, folks. Just, let's just sit with that, right? Like, that's the grace of exhaustion. That's why the story went that way. Because that's how we start to uncover those gifts, or God starts to uncover those gifts for us. From surrender to hope to, to a sweet surrender to, to seeing those around us to patience. All these, I mean, you folks wrote just beautiful things. Well, at the bottom of exhaustion, I found an absolute need for connection to God. Oh, that's beautiful stuff. I don't mean this in any way that's sacrilegious, but quite clearly, in many ways, done the Easter story. It's so true. I think we all do. I'm coming up on my third year, three-year anniversary of my bone marrow transplant. The biggest one is I'm still here because that is all the power to make life what I want. And I know how sweet life is. Man, there's so many coming in, folks. Hey, oh, I have to go back through and answer these. These are just so beautiful. Folks, like, listen to what you know. Listen to what you know about taking on those challenges. Listen to what God is speaking to your soul. The flurry of text messages I just got is, is far more brilliant than anything I would ever come up with. It's, and it's all absolutely true. I wonder, I wonder this. You know, that idea that, that somehow what God gives us in these moments, and I think this is real important, I take a note on it, is he gives us strength, not protection. He gives us strength, not protection. It's so easy, right? We, we want to live a deeply protected life. Like, I think especially those of us who are parents, grandparents, the favorite aunt, the favorite uncle, whatever. We want to protect. We want to make sure that no ill comes of the ones we love. That is commendable. That is beautiful. That is true. That is the job of a good parent. And the job of a good parent as well is strength because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what the future holds for your kids. And I think it's so much where God gives us like this, this strength, this strength. 
And, and please listen carefully. Again, this is the whole point, right? The strength becomes the protection. The strength becomes the protection. Now, now that doesn't mean, of, of course, with the strength, I'm really, really averse to the idea of kind of muscular Christianity that I'm just going to muscle it through. And if, if I have Christianity at my side, everything's going to come up roses. That's not what I'm saying. Because one of the strongest forms of strength is surrender. Is this turning over? God, not, not my will. But yours. Maybe we can even get to the point where we can say that. God, not my will, but yours. And maybe feel this. Relief. Relief. Remember, kids, you know, I talked about how, like, Easter story is kind of like walking through at night, you know, and you're walking through with your mom and your dad, or your dad, or your grandpa, or your grandma, and you just start holding their hand a little tighter. I think that's what this is about. Holding that hand a little bit tighter, finding that the strength is the protection. That we will walk through parts of our life that are incredibly hard. How did that look? How did that cup look? Like, what did it look like? Like, how did it, not physically, but like, how, does, how then do we see the story move? We see Jesus embrace the hard parts of it. I mean, the next time Jesus speaks is this beautiful line where, where Judas comes and betrays him. That's a whole other story if you're not familiar with. We'll be going over that a little bit more next week. This one of his 12 followers actually betrays him, turns him in. And as he's about to betray him, Jesus says, friend, do what you came for. And I think that part, you know, the fact that he addresses him as friend, you know, it's just understanding it's all part of this story. It's all part of a story where we learn these things. And, and again, folks, what you wrote was just so incredibly incredibly beautiful, where we learn things that grace comes from willingness and surrender. And with that, we can rest and regroup and then move forward. It's, it's, so, it's just so hard to come up with words around this. And part of me feels like just rereading that list again. Because I think one of the challenges is when we're in the worst of it, we see the least of it. And it's, it's just interesting for me as a pastor all the time, like work with people all the time who are going through really hard things and, and they really feel most of the time like they're not doing it right. Why won't joy come back? Why won't my loved one come back? Why do I always feel so sad? Why is this so hard? And I look at them, and I look at the fact that they woke up that morning, and they put one foot in front of another, and I look at them, and I see the bravest people in the world. I see nothing but a courageous soul.
Do I know that life will again be quote unquote better? I'm not so sure about saying the word better or comparing it that way. What, What I do know is they will find those things that you folks texted in. They will find them. I know the names associated with some of those texts, and those are a lot of people who've gone through some hard things, and this is what they have found. And yeah, a lot of the time we go through these moments where just we're praying, like, I just, I just am so overwhelmed with grief. And those who we really think are going to be there aren't necessarily there in the ways we want them to be there. That's true, too. People never seem to say the exact right thing. That's true, too. But remember that hand. Remember that holding. Remember this, friends, maybe to just squeeze a little more tightly. As a church, as a spiritual community, as spiritual beings, I think so much of of hope-telling starts with truth-telling. So much of hope-telling, real important, starts with truth-telling. We have to begin by naming things accurately. If we name things accurately, we can include all things lovingly. If we can name it accurately, we can include all things lovingly. It doesn't mean we stay there. You know, as as Juan Martel said, doubt is not a very effective means of transportation. It means we will go through it. It means we will keep on moving. It means we understand there are gifts there too, often unforeseen. But we will find them. I think about this like just this very subtle little story. I was, I mean, big history guy. For those of you who don't know, I was a former history teacher back in the day. And it was a story about Joshua Chamberlain, General Joshua Chamberlain, one of the most famous generals of the Civil War. And I was reading about him and how he had this speech impediment where he couldn't say certain letters, but he figured out that he could sing them. So what he did was when he would come to B's or P's, he would just sing. And he became this, this, this well-known speaker because his, his voice was considered so melodious. I love that, Right? And that's, that's a superficial thing. That's nothing compared to some of the challenges I know that you folks are dealing with. And I love the idea of turning it into music. I love the idea of turning challenges into song. And sometimes that song's hard. What I know, what I know, is that the song's beautiful. What I know is that the song is beautiful. I close with this. A poem of that inclusion. A poem of of holding life as a complete whole. It's a poem by E.E. Cummings. Beautiful poem. Love is a place. And through this place of love, move with brightness of peace all places. Love is a place. And through this place of love, move with brightness of peace all places. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to do a little prayer and a little little blessing. 
Also, just a reminder, you know, we have some things going on this week. You're more than welcome to join the Coffee and Donuts group center down in Michigan. You're more than welcome to join them online right after the service, have a little conversation. You're also warmly invited to Angela's Moms Group. That's this week as well. You can find this all on our, on our homepage on Wednesday night. And then I also want to invite any families who'd like to sort of get a, get a, get a little family service celebrating Palm Sunday to the pop-up church, which is Thursday night at 7. All of that's on our homepage. You can always talk to me or Angela for those. So please join me in prayer. What we do for prayer here, folks, is, is I'm going to do an extemporaneous prayer, followed by the Our Father prayer, followed by a blessing, and then we'll have our last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Lord, help us to find and to recognize <clears throat> the grace of exhaustion, the sacrament of the stuck, Help us remember, Lord, there are indeed gifts there as well. And of course, we walk through that path. Of course, everyone in here has their own version of the Garden of Gethsemane. Of course, everyone in here will inhabit the landscape of Easter. Everyone will inhabit the landscape of Easter. And help us, Lord, through that. Help us, Lord, to be held through that. Help us, help in us that deep, loving part that can hold a little more tightly to your hand, can walk a little more closely with you, that can be a little bit more loving, a little bit more caring, a little bit more kind this Easter season. Thank you, Lord, for coming onto earth to show us how to do this and to walk with us through this. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen.